Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Feeling like you need a punch of energy? Enter Wonderful Pistachios. I love them. The snack that packs a protein punch, and the best part, they come in so many flavors and so many sizes. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, wonderful pistachios, they're the go-to snack for me. Here's the real kicker, the protein. These little wonders are one of the highest protein nuts out there. Just one ounce serves up a whopping six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. So visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I love them. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. Here we go on a Wednesday, a very full Wednesday, live in Los Angeles. It's The Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Joel Klatt in one hour. J-Mac, I was wandering around the interweb today. <laughs> well, the team was. You know, I get in about 6-ish Pacific time. And, uh, you know, they have seven or eight, nine or ten stories lined up. And... Uh, I saw an interesting one with LeBron. You know how, like, when you're a parent, they tell you this with all the social media, like Instagram and stuff, don't compare yourself to other kids. It, you know, it's harsh if you have a daughter, and IG and Twitter, not, it's vile, it's harsh. Yeah. And they always tell you that, like, kid psychologists, don't compare yourself to others. It's a losing proposition. It's bad for your mentals. I would agree. Probably bad idea to give them a phone and social media at a young age as well. But that, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's a great idea. And I sometimes I look at LeBron. I want to start today. I saw this. The, the, the team this morning as they assembled stuff had this, and it was a little piece of paper here. I thought it was interesting. So there's something called a Twitter account called Legion Hoops. And uh, the tweet is, LeBron says he'd still be just as dominant if he never went to Miami. Um, and then LeBron quote tweeted it, meaning he had an opinion on that opinion. LeBron's opinion was, you damn right, I would still be. I'm chosen. Ain't nothing changing that. Maybe less rings, but dominant start to finish. Why does he keep reminding us he's great? And I contend that it's Michael Jordan. That forever, ba- basketball fans loved Michael Jordan more than LeBron. LeBron's going to blow him away, already has in every stat, but it's different. Now, first of all, you can't compare basketball players, really. I mean, Bill Russell has 11 titles, but there were no international players and very few guys of his size. Kareem's got the most MVPs. LeBron's the best, the longest. And if you had one shot to win a game, you'd take Michael. But with MJ, it's not just what he accomplished. It's how he made us feel. MJ's career perfectly timed with sports center the highlight culture and mj's highlights were the very coolest many still are he launched the nba shoe craze i mean there were people that had shoes before michael but they weren't as good looking as cool as stylish also the jordan brand supports college football teams now it's bigger than basketball he also was at the precipice the beginning of david stern's commissionership when the NBA became highly popular from late night NBA finals on replay. I'm not joking. Delayed after the local news at 11. There were so many things that lined up perfectly for Jordan. It became a player league. But I always think more than anything, LeBron 
is about individual greatness. You are witness. His ability to evolve his game. Him going back and rewarding Cleveland with a final. He joined the Miami Heat stars to get more rings. He, in his mogul stage, moved to L.A. to win one more ring. It's he, and there's nothing wrong with that. The best player in any era generally wins the most titles. But Michael's different, and that's why it's fruitless for LeBron to ever compare himself to Michael. Because Michael made us feel a certain way. People still collect his shoes. People wore Michael. They wear his shirts, his jackets, his shoes. They still watch his highlights. They defend him, even if he was flawed, personally, professionally. It's like the wizard years just evaporated into thin air. And you hear this about politics all the time. I heard it about Trump. People say, how can you stand Trump? Well, he made certain Americans feel a certain way. And most politicians don't. Michael is nostalgia for an NBA that many people miss. When Michael played, he, among other superstars, were proud to be part of the dunk contest. LeBron's never been in one. He sees himself above it. Michael was willing to play 82 games. LeBron, as he's aged, I'll get 60, and that's what you're going to get. I'm a LeBron fan. I think he's the Swiss Army knife of the sport. Does more things better than anybody ever has. And LeBron has blown away Michael in longevity, awards, and stats. But LeBron doesn't ever make me feel a certain way. And Michael does, and did, and forever will. Michael is viewed as perfect, six for six, though he wasn't personally or professionally. But that's how we feel about him. Whether you're a politician, an athlete, or a brand, it's the feel you'll never overcome. Nor will you ever lose. And Michael has it, and LeBron doesn't, despite all the accolades and awards. We have witnessed you. We felt Michael. All right, I saw this this morning. This is no big deal. And I don't want it to be viewed as a big deal. But the Cowboys signed recently reinstated wide receiver Martavis Bryant, who hasn't played in the NFL since 2018. It should be duly noted last year he did play for the Edmonton Elks, the Massachusetts Pirates, and the FCF Beasts. I don't know what any of those are, but he played for them. I warned you about Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. I warned you. They like to be viewed as the smartest guy in the room. We find things others don't. We see things others don't. This is what Martavis Bryant is. We also warned you about Dalton Schultz. You'll miss him. The tight end this week was fourth in the NFL in receiving yards. We warned you about Brandon Cooks. Bounce around the league guy, he'll be invisible. He has. We warned you that Tony Pollard was an excellent number two back. Can't drive an offense around him. He hasn't scored since week one. He hasn't had over 60 yards in six weeks. And we warned you that Dallas would be a wild card team and would have a battle on their hands because of their late schedule. And here's where they are. Bragging about moral victories against Philadelphia and signing Martavis Bryant. Dallas has the second easiest schedule in the NFL to this point, And they've got two more layups coming. Giants and Carolina. But let me offer another warning to you. After that, it's feisty Washington, Seattle, Eagles at Buffalo, at Miami, Detroit, and at Washington. My other warning is you could very well miss the playoffs. Martavis Bryant and moral victories is not where Dallas wants to be heading into week 10. Jerry Jones, this week on radio, though, feeling good. It was outstanding, the game that he played. We should be able to get there if Dak will play games like that. But if Dak can have those kinds of games, we can, I think, get where we want to be this year. He did, and you lost 
because you were bad situationally again against an excellent team. Artavis Bryant's not a big signing. Hey, I should have done a better job and known he played for the Vegas Vipers. My bad. I should be on YouTube more. I'm already on that thing all day. But we warned you, there was a lot of warnings this year. Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, Brandon Cook, Jerry and Steven trying to be the smartest guys in the room, falling in love with their perception, their ideas. It just kind of feels weird this week. A receiver that hasn't played since 2018 that nobody else is interested in. And another comment about how good that loss was to Philadelphia. All right, J-Mac. We, got, we have some things this week that are going to be very, very, uh, uh, to me, really, really interesting. Yeah. So right now, you know, Arizona has the number one pick. And Kyler Murray's coming back to play. Now, there's arguments... There's arguments that if Arizona with Kyler Murray finishes with a number one pick, they should take Caleb Williams. What's interesting is we went this morning, we'll do this in the next segment, and looked at the top 10 teams drafting. Is it 10 for 10 you should take Caleb Williams or not? (laughs) It's really interesting how it's sizing up. Where were you on Arizona? Well, I've always said I think Kyler Murray can really play. I think he's a really special athlete, and you've signed him. Um, And I do think if he comes back and plays well, you know this, he'll have a trade market. I mean, Trey Lance got a fourth-round pick. Kyler Murray is going to get a first-round pick. He's a quarterback in this league. Trey Lance got a fourth. Trey Lance was on a rookie deal. Kyler Murray signed a massive contract. You're taking on Kyler and that contract and his history of not wanting to do homework and do the research and, like... How many teams have a special player at quarterback? Because Kyler's special, whether you like him or not. Uh, he has shown moments of being special, but at the same time, would you rather restart your quarterback clock, have a quarterback on a rookie deal, and be able to pay everyone else, or give Kyler Murray, what is he making, $40 million? He's making like Daniel Jones money. A year after the Giants gave Daniel Jones money, they're like, ooh, ooh, ooh no thanks. It's, it is now, interesting. Kyler's but, better, but uh, Daniel Jones has a playoff win. Kyler does not. And frankly, it's I, interesting. I, would, I would rather... Take a chance on a on a young college quarterback than take Kyler Murray if I was the Jets or any other team. So Kyler plays this week. So we'll, I want to talk about that because it's really – the mock draft stuff now is taking shape. I mean, the Rams are going getting Carson Wentz. Like, they're going to be a top-10 pick team. They're going to be in that lottery, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to be up – I mean, if, they're, if you're playing Carson Wentz at this point, Stafford's gone – if this doesn't go well this week, you start resting Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, they, like they did last year. Well, they're on a bye, and – why yeah, not right. just go with Brett Rippon instead of Carson Wentz? Like, Carson Wentz has more talent than Brett Rippon. Well, right? I think the Rams deep down in the building want the locker room to fight for wins, and the feeling is Rippon's not it. McVay's kind of impatient. You're right. This is a bye week. But I'm saying when they come back, if, if Carson Wentz plays, are you signaling basically, you know, we're, we're, we're going into the top seven, eight picks? And then you know... And then you're close enough potentially to move up. I just We'll get into it in a second, but the Kyler Murray piece is very interesting because he's absolutely talented. Okay. He's coming back. They currently have the number one pick. My guess is they play their way out of the number one pick, and Arizona doesn't have that decision to make. My guess, and we'll talk about this, would it be a tough decision? How about this one, Belichick? You want Kyler Murray or you want to roll the dice well, with Drake May? Here, here's the issue. They're both very good prospects, very good A prospects. But what's interesting is more than any year, you're going to kind of be stuck where you're drafting. You'd have to give up so much to get Caleb, like four number one picks, that basically nobody's going to do it. No, nobody, I mean, really, you'd have to, I mean, if I, if I was Chicago and I had the number one pick, what would you have to give me to get Caleb Williams? So, so I would keep Justin Fields. I, and I'm just off the top of my head. I've text people on this in the league. Four number ones. Yeah, just you click and hang up. No, that's not happening. But I'm saying that's what <laughs> – just go look at what quarterbacks get. I said Trey Lance got a four. You don't think Kyler Murray, if he goes in the next eight weeks, if you, if you think Kyler Murray next seven, eight win, weeks wins four games and looks like Kyler Murray, 
By the way, he wouldn't come back unless he was healthy and ready to play. He wouldn't come back if he was 70%. What if he looks like old Kyler Murray? You don't think he's okay. going to have a market? Well, later in the show, we should go team by team who needs I'm a quarterback. Do it next. And what? Oh, okay, great. All right, we'll do it. So it's just, it's really, I don't think it's a very good NFL week, but I think the Kyler Murray piece is fascinating, and I want to get into that next. We will go team by team because there's still a lot of teams, more than you think. Chicago doesn't want to lose games. Justin Fields doesn't. They don't want to have the number one pick, do they? Maybe in the front office, Justin Fields doesn't. It's, this is a real battle with two A-plus prospects. I have a great parlay for you this weekend. Thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, new users, please use the code HERD, H-E-R-D, when you download the app. Takes a couple of minutes. Now for my parlay picks of the week via DraftKings Sportsbook. I'll take Lions minus two and a half at the Chargers. You know the Chargers don't have much of a home field advantage, and I think the Lions' excellent offensive line can hold off the Chargers' pass rush. I'll take the Cardinals at home plus one and a half against Atlanta. Kyler Murray returns. He wouldn't return unless he was ready to play. I'll take the Cowboys minus 16. I know, weird, right? I hate big favorites. The Giants' offense, though, currently with this quarterback is the worst I've seen in the NFL in years. If you want to take the herd parlay, check out DraftKings Sportsbook. New users, please use the code HERD, H-E-R-D, when you download the app. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. See show notes for full details. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kyler Murray comes back this week. 
And I want to take you back a few years ago. The New York Jets offense, which we just watched on Monday Night Football, is dreadful. And if I wasn't a sportscaster, I would have turned the game off. But there's an argument to be made. The New York Jets should have Trevor Lawrence. Because years ago, as J-Mac points out, they started the year like 0-13 and then won a meaningless game. They were going to get Trevor Lawrence. And then they won another game after that. The Jets could have been set for 15 years and had the second great quarterback in their franchise history besides Joe Namath. And they won meaningless games. The New York Giants, here are the teams right now, top 10 teams. And I'm going to tell you, Caleb Williams and Drake May are going to be the top two picks. Harrison, the receiver from Ohio State, will be third. But he won't be worth more than a point in the NFL. If Drake May and Caleb Williams are as good as we think they could be, they'll be worth a touchdown or more. You would be fired as a GM if you're bad at quarterback and took a receiver over a talent as good as Caleb or Drake May. They're both A prospects, but I think Caleb is a more talented athlete. So when you look at these top 10 teams, here's the team to keep your eye on. So the Jets years ago had an opportunity to get Trevor Lawrence and won meaningless games. Keep your eye on the New York Giants at four. Daniel Jones out for the year. Tyrod Taylor, certainly capable of winning games, is hurt and out. Their third-string quarterback, in my opinion, is not capable of winning an NFL game. So unlike the team that plays in the same stadium, the Giants, as a two-win team, I think today odds will finish with the number one pick. And here's why. Because Kyler Murray's coming back. Kyler Murray is very good. They also get one of their weapons back. And they play Atlanta, the Rams, the Bears, the Texans. One and eight Arizona is going to win a couple of games with Kyler Murray. He's just too darn talented not to win games down the stretch. He's going to win two, three, maybe four down the stretch. I really believe that. Carolina's trying to win. Therefore, Chicago also trying to win. Bears are two and seven. Everybody there wants to win. Matt Eberflus wants to win. Justin Fields wants to win. This is not a team that's tanking. Jobs are on the line. The GM's job's on the line. Chicago's going to win games down the stretch. New England, Belichick, Mac Jones, they won't win a game or two. Then it's Rams, Green Bay, Tampa, Denver, Tennessee, all these teams, for the record, I do think Arizona would pause on taking Drake May or Caleb Williams. They'd have to. Kyler's a really good player at the most important position. But when you look at that top 10 today, most of these teams have a reason to win. The two that don't necessarily need to, Belichick and New England, He's got his legacy in rings. He doesn't need to win. He doesn't need to win. He can put guys on IR. <laughs> he, you know, Belichick, when the, when the Patriots were great, would just sit players out all the time. Running backs just wouldn't play. Offensive linemen, DNP. Right? Giants. They paid Daniel Jones way too much money. The only way out of it is to find a star quarterback. So you start looking, like you could say Green Bay, but Jordan Love wants to win. Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield, his legacy. He wants to win games. Denver, Sean Payton. You think he's tanking? Vrabel, Will Levis. Will Levis just got named the quarterback. Everybody here has a reason to win. Carolina, Chicago's got their pick. You don't think Bryce Young and Frank Reich with a temperamental owner, an impulsive David Tepper owner, they don't want to win? Frank Reich and that staff don't want to win? They ran Matt Rule out of town, just paid him off. Keep your eye on the Giants in New England. In the building, everybody with the Giants knows the only way we save our jobs is getting Drake May or Caleb. And Belichick, legacy now being tarnished post-Brady, doesn't have to win, probably retains his job. Story out by Ian Rappaport, he's already signed an extension. Giants in New England, 2-7, and 2-7. Seven, and seven. Don't have to win. Nobody thinks Dayball's going to get fired. Dayball's not going to get fired if they go 2-15. and 15. Belichick's not going to get fired. I mean, I said last year I thought it was possible. He's clearly not. 
the extension talk with Ian Rappaport comes out, of those 10 teams, two, everybody in the building knows. We're all safe here. Let's get a star quarterback. Everybody else is somebody that wants to win. The coach, the quarterback, both, or the GM. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Joel Klatt's seen them all. He joins us now live, Fox Sports College football analyst. Also, by the way, an NFL draft analyst. Yeah, there we go. I love it. <laughs> so let, Never let, too early. Let, let's address this, is that the draft is about traits. Okay. I mean, Mahomes didn't have a winning record. I, I'm pushing back a little, but I don't even want to get into the arguments. The top two picks are going to be the two quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay. I would say. And I think even though Caleb's been dinged a little, mm-hmm. Maybe he's not Elway or Luck as a prospect. I still contend he's the number one pick. Well, he di- he just does so many things well, and and we we haven't listen. We've ne- we've never seen a quarterback that is excellent in what I would categorize as all five categories. You know, so he he can control the game from the pocket. You know, and he and he he can control the game with his mind. Those are two. He's got the requisite arm. Clearly, yeah. Um, he can create outside of the pocket when things break down and he's a threat with his legs. He's the only guy that that I have covered in college football that is excellent in all five categories. Wow. I mean there's I mean you go back to college, Pat Mahomes, there were serious questions about Pat Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech, namely that no one from that offense had succeeded before. That's right. I've told you the Gruden story, right? No. So the, it's the Philadelphia draft, and, and I'm there, and I go down in the morning and, and just to grab some breakfast, and Gruden's sitting in the corner, and he's like, hey, hey, Clat. I had never met him. That's he just good. yells out, hey, Clat. That's how he and I'm like, I'm like looking behind me. I'm like, is he talking about me? And he's like, come on over here, man. And I'm like, okay. So I sit down with, with Gruden, and he's like, hey, what do you think about Mahomes? And I'm like, and so I I just rattle off. Well, the offense, this, and I don't know, and we've never seen anybody from this offense succeed, and the air raid, and ah, I just don't know. This was my take back then. What what a ridiculous take in hindsight, but that's my take. And I and I say it to him, and he's eating scrambled eggs, and he looks at me, and he raises an eyebrow, and he's like, you know, all of us that ever touched Favre, that's what we see. And he goes, Andy's taking him tonight. And and this Caleb Williams draft. He's the first one since Mahomes that you can you can project those style of traits into the league, and we see how those traits now not only accentuate your team and your roster, but excel at the top end of the sport. So listen, like Caleb for me is still the best quarterback in the draft because of all of those things. Yeah, that's a great story, by the way. Appreciate that. Yeah, but you bet. All right. Um, <laughs> so I watched the. Um, we'll get to Michigan in a second because that's the game of the weekend. I watched the Texas game. Yeah. And uh, it would be very easy. It was classic Sark. I love so much about it. And then they're kicking the ball and turning the ball over. And yeah. I'm like, Sark. Um, and so today I feel like I'm right on Sark. Okay. What, which, I, about what? Well, I've been pro Sark forever. Sure. Okay. And then I watch him almost butcher that thing and i'm like god he drives it i've never loved a coach and it simultaneously drove me nuts you did the game what do you make of texas sark sure is it just possible that sark is sark no matter how great his personnel is and he's going to win 10 games from this point forward at texas because the dude can recruit and coach well he's he's never won 10 games as a head coach oh he hasn't no um wow not in his career not saying that he's not going to this year. Here's what I would say is that that game was not about Sark or mismanagement or anything along those lines. It was about a backup quarterback that the game goes too fast for him. And once he's out of rhythm, yeah. it's over. It's a, there's no getting it back. Texas was the better team at the line of scrimmage. They they were, in a lot of ways, you know, well-coached, got turnovers. They did everything right. They were attacking early, but as soon as Malik Murphy lost his confidence, the offense lost its way. And a lot of that is due to Kansas State, by the way. Kansas State is still a really good team. They got a lot of returning starters. Yeah, yeah. and Chris Kleiman is still a very good coach. But to me, it was about a quarterback. 
So if Quinn Ewers can get back and become healthy, they are Texas still. And 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 that alleviates a lot of this. I don't think it was mismanagement from Sark that allowed Kansas State to get back in that game. I think it's it's looking out there and all of a sudden your quarterback is throwing the football to them and you're turning the ball over and then you just got to hang on at the end. The one thing I do know about the top end of this sport is that if you can't play at the line of scrimmage, you're not going to win at the top end. And they can play at the line of scrimmage. Their O-line is very good. Yeah. And more importantly, their defensive line and the interior of their defensive line might be the best in the country. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, are there two tackles inside? Yeah, yeah. Can't run on them. Can't run on them. Ask Alabama. Yeah. Like, so that D-line is going to mask a lot of those things. So it's interesting. I was asking J-Mac, does Michigan unfocused all these allegations hmm. go out and just sort of get engulfed by the last 14 days, or are they inspired? I have a feeling with Harbaugh, it'll be... Us against the world, play inspired football. It is an advantage that it's afternoon and not night. That's probably worth a field goal in your favor if you're probably. Michigan. So J.J. McCarthy's, I think he's 21-1 and one since he started. And I've made this argument in defense of Harbaugh, mm-hmm. is that when he got the San Diego quarterback, Luck Kaepernick, and J.J. McCarthy, his teams always win. They become dominant and devastating. Yes, and, and this is so... Okay, but, so my let's, point is, the what's going to happen question. to them Saturday? Yeah, the focus question. Let's let's talk about that first. Um, this is this is a different style of distraction because the distraction is actually a question of the players. Can you do this without this advantage? Right. And so it is going to be a galvanizing factor, and we've seen that play out. Their last two games, remember, this has not just been like, oh, what's it going to be this week? I get it. These weren't great teams, but they've played Michigan State and they've played Purdue. Guess what they did to both of those teams? Exactly what they've done to everybody else and then some. You talk with coaches around the league, this is still the best defense in the league. J.J. McCarthy is playing at the highest level in the league. This is a really, really good team, and I believe that this is going to focus them more onto the field and not be a distraction off the field. Because basically what everybody is saying is the only reason you're winning is cheating, and it'll tick the players off A 100%. Do you like McCarthy? I love McCarthy. Now, J-Mac literally six months ago said top 5'10 pick, and I thought he was nuts. Is he? Um, Yes, he's playing his way into that that mold for sure. J.J. McCarthy has transformed what Michigan is. No one talks about this because we just think of Harbaugh and the, and the length of, of time that we've seen him use the same style of football, which is ground and pound, tight ends, power, gap scheme, run the ball. Well, they're totally different and have evolved tremendously from last year even to this year. Last year, they were in the top 10 in rushing yards per carry, and they were 20, I think, 7th in the country in passing yards per attempt. That's flipped this year, Colin. They're a dominant passing team and just an okay running team. The deal is is that J.J. McCarthy, the tight ends that they have, the versatility that those tight ends have, they're able to throw the ball with more explosiveness than most teams in college football. And McCarthy is actually playing at an incredibly elite level. It wouldn't shock me at all if he plays himself into the top 10 or that conversation because he's doing things on the field this year that are just, that are just different. You know, and, and let me give you a quick example rather than just saying a generalization. Quick example. All right, so there, there's a comp, uh, let's just say a, a concept called smash. Okay, so smash is a concept where you got a flat control like a hitch and a corner out over the top. Yeah. In previous years, JJ would look at that and kind of read both of them. It's like, nah, which one do I want to throw to? And he, he was I indecisive. He used to hold the ball too long. And because of that, he, he held the ball too long. You're exactly right. This year, he's much more decisive in that if number one is open, bang. He gets the ball. So if the hitch is open, boom, one, two, three, ball out. If he's not, he's already read number one, which means the corner comes down, which means the corner above him is open, right? The corner route is open. Then he gets the ball. That decisiveness allows him to play within the schematics much better. And then and then he's athletic enough where he can take the offense above the X's and O's. So even when the defense does everything right, he manipulates the pocket, similar to Caleb Williams, gets outside of the pocket, and all of a sudden creates a big play. And yet the defense has done everything right. So he's one of the rare players that is really efficient within the concepts of the offense and can take the offense above the X's and O's. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes 
to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. For the record, a couple of weeks ago, you and I on an island defending Harbaugh, and uh, the argument I have made is that everybody is speeding on this signs freeway. Jim's probably going a little aggressively fast, but everybody's going over the speed limit. Stories out today that uh, that Rutgers, Purdue, Ohio mm-hmm. State, somebody was feeding somebody signals, Michigan signals, and so much of this stuff. There's a lot of people that I really respect in the industry of yeah. college football talking about it. So it was very anti-Harbaugh. Over the last 36 hours, there's been, oh, looks like somebody else had signals against Harbaugh. Where are you with it today? You're feeling about where this thing's going. Well, I, I just want to categorize. I, I, I have never defended Michigan. I have defended the process. And, and, and I've been an ardent defender that Tony Petiti and the Big Ten should not circumvent the process. And the process being gather evidence, all of it, deliver the evidence to those accused, and then make a judgment afterwards. And if that process is followed, if rules were broken, then people should be punished. And I'm, I'm here to say that if rules were broken, they should be punished. And it looks like rules were broken. The hard part is, is that if you rush ahead of the process and you allow mob mentality oh, yeah. to force you into action, if you're Tony Petiti, you're setting a very dangerous precedent. Because if you're not acting on facts, then all you're going to do is invite that type of mob mentality over and over and over Which, again. Which, by the way, college football has always struggled with. It's, always it's struggled the with. The most fanatical fan bases got a plaque on the wall. Yes. You go to the games. It's Even in the NFL, you'll bail on a team or a coach. That plaque on the wall creates a loyalty and a tribalism that is sometimes seedy. It sometimes is over the top. I just, I just feel like our culture can, um, in a lot of ways, confuse patience with apathy. And just because there hasn't been action doesn't mean those in charge are apathetic to what happened. It just means that they're trying to gather evidence. And and by the way, the new news is exactly why you don't allow a mob or the angriness of the, the, the victims to force you into action. If Tony Petiti would have done something rash last week and then this news comes out, then he's got to do something rash to those people. So all of a sudden, you're putting yourself in a predicament where you're having to suspend everybody. Right. And and I don't think that's where he wants to be. So he needs to make sure that he's following the process, that he's got the right backing from the right presidents on the on the joint committee that they have and in, in enforcement. And quite frankly, the Big Ten shouldn't want to be involved in quote unquote governance. That's the NCAA's job. And there's a big reason why we're in this mess to begin with. Right. That reason is is that the NCAA has basically abjugated their responsibility to govern the sport in any sort of meaningful manner. So what happens is when there is a victim of, let's say, sign stealing, those people want action now. So what do they do? They go to the one area where they think they can get that action now, which is the conference, even though it's not really within the conference's purview, in particular within the season. Now, I'm not suggesting that he shouldn't be punished or other people shouldn't be punished. All I'm saying is that the process has to run its course. Gather every bit of evidence that is available on all sides. Deliver it to those accused. Let's let's have a little bit of due process here because, again, patience is not apathy, and I think we get it confused a lot in our culture. Michigan at Penn State, my feeling is uh, that young quarterback, Drew Aller for Penn State, will realize very quickly this defense has a lot of Sunday players, and Mm. he'll be limited. I don't think Penn State will move the ball with a great deal of regularity in this game. That is my take. Uh, but I think it'll be a very competitive game. J-Mac said 31-17-ish. That feels about 31-13 to me. Home teams usually you know, the play. line's only four and a half. Well, yeah, I know, but I think Michigan's going to win comfortably. I, I do think it's, it's interesting because we saw Penn State in a game yeah. against a really good team just a couple of weeks ago against Ohio State. Yeah. And let's face it, like, they failed. 
Oh, yeah, badly. There was no creativity on offense. Yeah. They couldn't run the ball. Even the, the late touchdown, it wasn't even as close as the score indicated. Now, their defense is very good, but what they did is they went back to the drawing board offensively and they tried to fix some things. So, for instance, last week, yeah. early in the game, they were throwing the ball down the field, trying mm-hmm. to soften up the defense. It allowed the run game to get going a little bit, and then Drew Aller ended up having his best game of his career. Yeah, but that wasn't Michigan. I'm, I understand that, but yeah, I am saying, yeah. like, I, I do think that they have, from a schematic standpoint and a game plan standpoint, understood the error of their ways in the Ohio State game, and I would expect them to be much more aggressive, in particular at home. But I do, like, Michigan's defense is, is incredibly difficult to face, and, and I don't. I don't care whether they know, whether they don't know. It's just it's the best defense in the conference, and so it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding for Penn State. All right, college football rankings. I don't know why anybody gets worked up. <laughs> Clatt's top ten is closer to mine, which is Michigan, Georgia, the top two teams. I think Oregon's third, not Ohio State, but Ohio State's undefeated. So I understand the college football rankings. Yeah, and I understand those. If you're just asking me who the best teams are, I think it's Michigan one, Georgia two. I'd put Oregon three. Then I'd probably go Ohio State, Washington, Florida State. The rest of it I'm not bothered by. Sure. Um, I don't think this is a great Georgia team. I think it's a good Georgia team. I think it's a great Michigan team. I will say this. I watched um, Washington, USC. Yeah. We got into some discussion about this. So, J.J. McCarthy was not considered like a a high first-round quarterback entering the season. Not sure Bo Nix was. Now they're both there. Michael Penix, I think, was. I have watched him now seven to eight times closely. I watched him against USC. Uh, he's had injuries. I think he's a bigger Tua. That's what I've been told, and that's what I think is true. A big left-hander, more physical, capable of seeing over the line, standing in the pocket, taking shots. When you look at, you've seen McCarthy, yep. Penix, Drake May, Caleb. If I said to you, give me your third, being that Caleb and Drake May are one and two, are they with you? Yes. Okay. Who is, you've seen them all. I watch Penix, and he's my third, but there's McCarthy, there's Bo Nix, there's the kid at Florida State. If you, if I said today you're my, a GM. My, yeah, my third now is McCarthy after the way he's wow. played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, again, look at J-Mac. The, the, the tape, tape doesn't lie, right? Film doesn't lie. And not that the other kids aren't really good. Penix is, is very good. He would have been my third, but McCarthy has kind of played himself up there because of, of, of McCarthy's he moves well versatility too. with yeah. his legs, yeah. his, his threat with his legs, and his creativity once the play breaks down. Penix is a wonderful passer of the football. Yeah. He understands leverage. He's accurate. And in that sense, I think that your comparison is 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 accurate. It was somebody else's that gave it to me, but I steal it occasionally. That's fine. Show. You yeah. you know you can steal it and, yeah, and use yeah. it on it's your show. It's, that's right. it's called the herd. It's called the herd, not that, sources told That's the right. Herd. It's it's not called sources. Um <laughs> I love the way that he can throw the ball downfield and still be super accurate, in particular with leverage. And that's not something that I would say Tua is great at. Yeah. Tua is really good on the intermediate stuff. Yeah. Penix can take that and take it a step further. Yeah, he's a bigger, stronger Tua. He's, he's a bitter, b- bit of a bigger thrower. And, and again, he excels passing the football. And then Nix is a guy. Here's what I love about Bo Nix. He's going to wind up getting taken by a team that doesn't need him right away rams like a rams and then all of a sudden we're going to look up in three years and be like oh my gosh bo nix is is really good he's about to start his 57th game he's playing the best of his life he makes great decisions quickly he he owns the entire field a word you you i've seen him twice live incredibly decisive yes never a pause goes back looks boom look and he never I mean, if he surveys the field, once he makes his mind up, there's no pause. Very decisive guy. What I've seen from him in his in his last, let's call it, 15 starts of his career, which, by the way, he's played so much. Think of the, think of having an extra year of anything in your life. Like if you could go back and redo any situation in your life, you know, wouldn't you like you would take that opportunity? This guy basically has an extra year of college football. Now, some people see that as a negative. No. It's the Hendon Hooker. You're the old guy dominating no. Stetson Bennett. I heard that. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Experience at this position in particular should always be valued. I've brought this up before on this. If you look at the Super Bowl winning quarterback since Brady won his first Super Bowl, of all the guys that have won Super Bowls, their average college career is long and they're experienced guys. In fact, what you don't want 
is the guys that come out after one year, and you don't know, and it's like, well, they're really talented. Fine, but they haven't played. You know, it's Nick's interesting. Nick's seen it. You know, I, I was telling a friend about this when USC lost this weekend. I said, you don't care because you're a USC fan. This is the best thing that's ever happened to Caleb because this is the NFL. Well, you, you literally are in, your defense doesn't save you because nobody right. can stop anybody in the NFL if you have a good quarterback and a good coach. And I'm like, would it have been great if Caleb just ran through Tulane and ran through Utah? It's like, no, this is called the NFL. You lose close games at home yep. all the time and you're highly emotional. And then the next day you have to watch film and get ready for the next team. The, the one thing Caleb's going to have to do, and this is where he's actually regressed this year. Where, where, where? It is... He tries to do too much. Oh, hero ball's there. Hero ball is there, and, yeah. and he can't do that at the next level. Again, why is J.J. McCarthy taking the next step? What's making Bo Nix so good? Why is Michael Penix succeeding and playing so efficient? Is because you've got to play within the offense first yeah. before you can take the offense to another level. So if you're reading out a concept and number one is open, give him the ball now. But, but let me defend Caleb. It's hard not to play hero ball when you're the hero. I understand Tom that. Cruise plays a hero in the movie because Tom Cruise is an American hero. Sometimes you have to be a hero on a team that needs a hero because they play no defense. There's a reason that's a movie and not real life, all right? <laughs> it's not about the pilot in the box. Sorry, Tom. Like, you know, the F-15 is just not going to beat the F-35. It just doesn't do that. Right. You've got to play within the offense first. Yeah, that metaphor was a little off. I wanted to see if you were watching. I was watching. I was in it. I was, I was there with you. It is hard when your defense gives up 40 to Cal understandable yeah understandable I, I would kind of think i've got to be a hero again that's the game that drove you nuts as an fc said it's not losing to washington it's not losing to utah but there's it's a difference struggling like, with cal I, you know you always make analogies right. like if you're if you're running the daytona 500 yeah you don't try to make a pass on the first lap and like crash yourself into the wall yeah right like that was Caleb you gotta run Dame. the race and then at there is a moment where he's gonna have to be the hero there's no doubt okay but but Bruce Wayne isn't Batman all the time. Like, you got to go make the money so you can fund your endeavor. Man, we're just throwing out. These are just like analogies all over the place, yeah. aren't we? J-Mac, you ready for that? <laughs> You're not even ready for that. You weren't ready for Batman today. Did you really men mention Bruce Wayne just a moment ago? Yeah, yeah. Isn't, wow. that, was that, his, isn't that Batman's? Well, no, I think his point was that there are times and places for even greatness. Like Mahomes, the great gift of Mahomes, that he has the ability and self-awareness to know he only needs to be great about four times. And by the way, there are games he tries it eight times. And it doesn't throws work. Throws a pick, and Andy pulls him back in. That's right. Jordan's games. I mean, I watched so much Jordan. We all did. About three times, Jordan would be like, okay, there's, there's beads of sweat in his head, and there's steam coming off. Michael's going into MJ mode. But 24 of his points were mid-range jumpers. Michael so, knew first quarter. That's right. Play and, within and, the framework of the game. And remember, remember, Great players are already better than everybody on the field. So within the structure of the game, they're already better than everybody else. Okay, within the structure. The difference is, is that great players realize the moment that greatness is required, and they'll go there. And the players that desperately want to be great try to go there all too often or, or way too often. And that generally ends up hurting people. And that's what Caleb's doing right now. If, yeah. if I was Caleb's coach right now, I would, I would just be screaming over and over, just, just run the offense. Yeah. And, and the great plays will materialize yeah. because of you. Yeah. Like they will materialize because of you, but you've got to allow them to happen versus making them happen. Good stuff, Clatt. Excellent work. Hey, when you. are you leaving for uh, that place uh, down tomorrow. the boonies? Yeah, tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll leave here on, on Thursday. Do you fly to Philadelphia and then uh, hitchhike? Yeah, some of us on this stage, J-Mac and I, fly commercial. Yeah. So I will, yeah. I will be connecting. I think I connect in Chicago. Yeah. I believe so. I'll see you in Chicago, everybody. Oh, 27 Southwest Airlines. You'll find me every weekend. That's a lie. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made Raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Played for a decade at an incredibly high level in the NFL, a two-time Super Bowl champ, nine games with the Bucks last year. Keep your eye on Thanksgiving weekend, somebody picking up Logan Ryan, one of the smartest guys I've ever had on this show. Uh, always thoughtful. First of all, it's great seeing you again. I love having you on the show, and I hope somebody does pick you up, one of these playoff teams. Um, I got to ask you, because of your history with New England, when Belichick's extension leaked, Logan Nothing leaked from that place. The last year, everything leaked from that place. That tells me, Logan, that it's a divided room. Some people are on Bill's side. Some people aren't. That's what it tells me. What did it tell you when his extension got out? Yeah, Colin, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, you know, these things rarely or never come out from the New England side. It's all secrets are kept in-house there, so... I think, you know, that news of that leak, that can only help Bill, right? Because it's telling fans, hey, I understand this isn't looking great, but I'm, I'm, I'm secure for another year. I'm secure for another few years here. So let's just, let, let's just put this story away as quickly as I can. And for that to leak in the beginning of the season, um, hopefully it's to be forgotten pretty soon. So I think that's definitely, uh, you know, some, some different sides that you don't see the unison that you typically seen in yeah. New England Patriots. Yeah, as you were well aware when you were there. It is interesting. Another Bill coach, Josh McDaniels, didn't work. And I've got my own theories on it, but I want to ask you. Um, I've seen, and again, I think they're good coaches, but Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, it's not working as a head coach. If I said, Logan, write a, write a, write a chapter on why it's not working – what are your instincts on why it isn't? You would think one of them, because Vrabel's worked, but Mike was a player, right? right? Like, why, why do you think there's so much of a struggle there? I think it's just 
the old school mentality, you know, one way or the highway type thing. And, and, you know, the players got to be in order with that. And I really think it starts with your, your star players. Like I think Max Crosby will play for anybody. He loves ball. Right. Um, but when you have offensive players coming out, they're not happy with usage and this and that there's too many leaks. Um, and you're not, you're not winning, right? It's not, it's not like winning is, can make that go away. We know Bill, uh, Belichick early in his career wasn't successful at certain places. Um, but when you have those right players in place and the winning happens and your leadership's on board, I mean, players run locker rooms. I understand that coaches run teams, but players run the locker rooms and you need to have your leadership and your, and your captains and your star players on board with the head coach messages. And there's, there's a disconnect at the top with those top star players and that head coach. Things can go awry quickly when losing happens. And I think coaches these days need to, learn and be willing to adapt to their players more than ever. Quarterbacks have more control of the game than I've ever seen. I mean, I remember in New England, Bill used to let Devin McCourty call the defense in practice sometimes, right? And Tom would call the offense in practice. Players had a little bit of power there. They earned that over years. But I'm like, wow, we got players calling the defensive plays in practice. That's pretty cool. So he had a he had a willingness to adapt more than people think. But I think these head coaches, as they're trying to get – started and trying to change a culture in these in these organizations aren't giving giving their players enough adaptation early on as usual i ask a question and logan has the right answer great answer um <laughs> josh dobbs did something sunday i marveled at it it may have not have been the biggest game but he's an aerospace engineer major graduate obviously he's functioning at a level well beyond where i can go you've been in this league a long time the idea of a quarterback not having a rep and then being highly functional in like two-minute offense, I, we know he's smart, but what did you make of that? Well, one, I, I don't even think we can justify how hard that is. Like He should go to the Pro Bowl straight <laughs> off of that. There's guys that have done less. The Pro Bowl games, whatever it is, go play dodgeball. There's guys that have done less and been in the Pro Bowl more than – Essentially signing the two teams with a weak preparation and being decent when he's out there. Pretty good winning games. I think um, that shows you that the game is extremely complicated, but it's still pretty simple. It's still football. And he's still a smart guy and he, and he understands what his outlets is and he doesn't even know his teammates' names. So I just think the comfort comfortability of the cadence and taking a snap from a brand new center and understanding the protection and those things. Um, that's really nuts. But when the ball snapped, he, he's coming down and playing football like he did since he was a kid. And we don't got to overthink anything. I think he knows how to go win games. And I think he's proven that. And I think he's a guy that's proven he could be in this league for a long time because he's willing to adapt. He's not making excuses or, you know, like you said, the, the advice he gave him, Mike Tomlin gave him. Circumstances shouldn't dictate your, you know, your outcome. Yeah. And I thought that was an awesome quote. So his circumstances have been extremely tough this year. But he continues to go out there and win games. And I think send him to the Pro Bowl games. Let him play some dodgeball. <laughs> I'm for it. You guys got one vote if I had one. The uh, <laughs> uh, Logan Ryan joining us, a two-time Super Bowl champ. So my take on Will Levis was, out of college, um, I didn't love when he went to the Combine. It was a gun show. I was like, dude, that that's not what coaches want to see. You know, he's got his beautiful girlfriend. And, and I'm like, Will loves Will. But then again... If I was a good-looking guy, I'm an NFL player, would I have any self-awareness? So I didn't love him for that. I did love his arm. Mom went to Yale, bright kid. And so when he comes in as a second-round pick, he was seen as the first-round talent, dropped to the second. I talked to a couple executives, didn't do great in the interview process, a little cocky. Um, And then I watched him, and I'm like, man, he's got some juice. He's got some juice. And players, you can't fool players. He makes throws that are big boy throws. I I think it's going to work. I now again, I still I I compared him to Jay Cutler. I may not love him, but he can make plays. What do you make of Will Levis yeah. so far? Man, I, I think to make your first start, you don't you didn't see um, an offense that was you know put around him to kind of be safe, right? It almost like we're going to put Levis in and we're going to take more chances. We're going to throw the ball downfield more than if, if Tannehill was in here. And that is not normal. That is not common. You can see offensive coordinators try to maybe coddle a new play caller, 
take it easy, start off with a couple of runs, barely throw it down the field. No, he was in there taking shots all over the place, chucking the ball. DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, a vintage DeAndre Hopkins game. Um, you know, throw it up there. He's up there somewhere. And um, to me, that that's juice. The kid has confidence. I see the combine process, like you said, and the shirts off and all that stuff. But maybe you can look at it. This guy was going to attack the combine. Yeah. Whatever it took to be impressive at the combine, he might have missed it. But I'm going to get in great shape. I'm going to get ripped. I'm going to be physically fit. I'm going to have the strongest arm. I'm going to show him this. I'm going to show him that. If he's attacking the playbook and attacking winning like that, guys will get on board with that. But I think the excitement from their sideline, seeing those shots go up, um, that helps. That helps in that that you know that tight system. They want to play good defense. They want to run the ball to Derrick Henry, but you got to have the play action game. You know, you got to have the play action passes. They explosive. That's how it works. You don't have AJ Brown, right? They missed that one up. So to have a quarterback be able to throw it sixty yards down the field and get a play or two to Hopkins a game or something like that, that that's a big game changer for them. What do you make? There's so much misinformation out there. I saw a story today, and I'm not blaming anybody for this take, but the take was sort of maybe he didn't rupture an Achilles. Now, I'm not, again, I just read it. I don't have a strong opinion on that. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know about vaccines. I took a... I took a vaccine during COVID. I'm not an epidemiologist, right? Like, so I watched the Aaron thing and I'm like, how is he healing so fast? There has been a theory. Jason McIntyre, uh, my co-host here, had made the theory that Sala and the GM love Aaron being around the field and talking this way because it gives them hope and the impulsive ownership will just feel like it's hope. Don't make changes. I don't know what's going on. But you played this game. If you ruptured your Achilles, there's no way you're – now, you're a DB. But what do you just make of right. the whole circus of the injury and Aaron and on the field and throwing and the talk about coming back? How does it land for you? Yeah, so, you know, I always thought – or, you know, the Achilles was the kiss of death, right? When older players get the Achilles, you're like, it's over. You know, people thought, is he ever playing again? And then we saw that running back, Cam Akers, I think, from yeah, the Rams. Yeah. He, like, tore his Achilles, and he came back, like, four months later or something. Like, there must be a new Achilles procedure out there, modern medicine. But I remember he was back extremely fast, like, extremely fast. I'm like, wow, maybe the Achilles is not what we thought or, or you know, what I thought or whatever it is. So once I saw that, then I knew it was possible. And, you know, I think the Jets – I don't think Aaron Rodgers plays this season, but if the Jets make the playoffs, I think I think <laughs> if it's possible, if the timeline says that, I don't know the Achilles timeline, then I think he'll play in the playoffs. And I think that's why it's so important that the Jets stay relevant and they stay in playoff contention. Because if they're able to be in the playoff race, which they are, make the playoffs, I don't know, but I don't think he plays in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, before we go, Thanksgiving could be the time somebody says we need a veteran leadership of Logan Ryan. Is there a team? And I mean, you tell me. Do you, when you're in your situation as a current free agent, are there teams you look at and tell your agent, "Hey, call them. I can help that young secondary. They're blowing coverages." Like I think of the Chargers. I think of the Chargers, and I think I've seen them blow coverage. J.C. Jackson's gone. I'm like, they could use a veteran back. That's that's how I see it. Do you see it that way? Have you ever called your agent and said, I like that team. That, that I fit there. Yeah, I say that. I mean, I can look at that every week. I see I see coverages blown, and I see, you know, crazy passing yardage. Uh, we see C.J. Stroud had, had a heck of a day. There's some blown <laughs> coverages there, um, you know. But – I, I, I'm at, I'm at a position, man. I, I'm at a, I'm at a beautiful position where if I blinked my eyes and I said, Hey, at 10 years later, you're able to, you know, secure three or four contracts and see them throughout. You're able to, you know, five AFC championship games and two Super Bowls, and you don't have to play. I don't have to play. And I have joy either way. So my identity is not all wrapped up in being a player. So to me, it's all about just a great situation that excites me. I'm not necessarily calling a West coast team, because they need the help. I understand what I bring, but it has to be just a perfect situation that makes me super excited to go leave my beautiful family and my beautiful setup. Um, not to get, talk to you as much. I enjoy doing this as well. So it just got to be the perfect situation. I'm, I'm getting, I'm picky. I'm, I'm getting older and my options are getting smaller <laughs> and that is not 
what the NFL wants. They want you younger and cheaper. I'm older and expensive. So it's got to be it's got to be a vintage buyer, and it's got to it's got to be a good fit on both sides. <laughs> That's great. You never disappoint. Uh, true class, Logan Ryan. You've had a remarkable career. You can do broadcasting if you want, or hang out with your beautiful family. I just always appreciate you giving us 15 minutes every once in a while. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, awesome. Anytime, man. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.